0: Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Aaron Judkins joins James Collins to debunk the lie of evolution and prove that the creation model explains the fossil record. And Pastor Larry answers another one of your Bible questions. Prophecy in the News magazine is back. The very first issue is out right now. Subscribe to the Prophecy in the News magazine today. With your subscription, you get a print and digital version and access to our online streaming platform, FaithNet TV. Call today and subscribe to the Prophecy in the News magazine. 1-800-652-1144 That's 1-800-652-1144 Or go to our website, swrc.com Over the past 150 years, science has taught the theory of life origins by evolutionary concepts, finalizing theory without empirical evidence. It does not allow for questions or alternative views about our origins. Today's guest, Aaron Judkins, lays out how the fossil record disproves the theory of evolution and how men did actually walk with the dinosaurs. Some
1: evolutionists have argued that science isn't possible without evolution. They teach that science and technology actually require the principles of molecules-to-man evolution in order to work. They claim that those who hold to a biblical creation worldview are in danger of not being able to understand science. But that is not necessarily the truth. I have with me in the studio today two brilliant scientists. First, we have Aaron Judkins, who has completed a book titled Evolution and Human Fossil Footprints, which is a study that refutes evolution and proves that humans and dinosaurs actually live together. Our second guest is Dr. Carl Baugh. Dr. Baugh is the founder and director of the Creation Evidence Museum in Glen Rose, Texas. He is the scientific research director of the world's first hyperbaric biosphere, stimulating Earth's atmospheric conditions before the worldwide flood of Noah. And Dr. Baugh is also a mentor of Dr. Aaron Judkins. Dr. Baugh, tell us about Aaron.
2: I think this would be a good opportunity to give a little background for our special guest on the program, Aaron Judkins. He's been studying this subject for decades, and has produced a very definitive book. And I'd like to give the broad his broad background and then the reason this book that we're discussing today that you've introduced, Evolution and Human Fossil Footprints, why this is so important. Aaron Judkins is a, uh, a graduate of Texas Tech University in medical science. He is a uh, licensed medical nurse, qualified in areas of field recovery in-flight recovery, and intensive care. He knows the human anatomy backward and forward. He also has degrees in theology, so he knows the scripture in the broad detail. But I think it would be of interest to this audience to know that while Aaron Judkins was completing his work in the medical sciences, it was brought out and and he said very little about this because he's a very humble man, but it was brought out that probably every person listening to this broadcast today has some family member whose life has been either saved or extended because of the work of the great-uncle of Aaron Judkins. The great-uncle of Aaron Judkins, Dr. Judkins, in the 1970s, developed the system which in medical science bears his name. It's the Judkins technology. He was a cardiologist in California. And he developed the system of heart catheterization, the stent system, angioplasty. These systems all bear his name in medical literature. He was the great uncle of our guest today. I said all of that to say that Aaron Judkins grew up with a propensity toward the medical sciences. And in so doing, uh, when he first came to Glenrose to do research with us, he was very proficient in his studies about the physiology of the human foot. And in his medical research, of course, he has become very proficient uh, with the, the 26 bones having to do with the human foot and, and what each of those bones will do when that foot is depressed in mud. Now this is very important. Human fossil footprints are extremely definitive in that over the years as we've been examining dinosaur footprints and to date our team at Glen Rose has excavated over 600 original dinosaur footprints and over 90 original human footprints among them. Sometime these are intermixed, that is a human footprint will step near or step on a dinosaur print, or a dinosaur uh, print, or the dinosaur will have stepped near or on a human footprint that was already in place. Now, we know by the up push, that is the mud displacement, various things, and over the decades that I've been researching in Glen Rose, we've had various scholars attended to these excavations, and we've learned that in the human forward locomotion, The mud up push or the mud displacement has certain characteristics, not only a depression in the mud that has now lithified to rock, but actually uh, the displacement will be in certain areas. Now, recently, we have been able to have spiral CAT scans run of many of the fossil, human, and dinosaur footprints. This is a major breakthrough simply because you can carve footprints in rock. There was a man named George Adams in the 1930s who became very proficient at carving human footprints in rock. And uh, every time we discover a new human footprint in the rock, that is assigned an age of 110 million years, and I want to emphasize assigned an age of 110 million years, you can get any age you want from radiometric procedures out of any piece of rock that you have in the laboratory. So the evolutionary community simply assigns the geologic column in systematic layering. but. Every time we find a new human footprint or a trail of prints, the evolutionary community says, well, it's been known since the 1930s that those tracks were carved. It's just another example of a carved footprint. Not so. We now have the access to laboratories where spiral CAT scans can be run of these footprints. And in so doing, those laboratories can determine the compression under each of the prints the density factor in that compression, and even the forward locomotion because of the density in various areas, which means that before before we end these programs with Aaron Judkins, we're going to be able to determine that the footprints featured in his book have been scientifically verified as being genuine. So I could say that we could have a subtitle to this book Footprints Step on Evolution.
1: Well, let's bring Aaron into the conversation. As I was reading evolution and human fossil footprints, I could not help but think that if you could actually prove that man walked with dinosaurs, it would destroy Darwin's theory of evolution, wouldn't it?
3: Well, it certainly would. That single piece of evidence would totally destroy that theory. Now, this isn't taught in school. I certainly never learned it in primary school. And I didn't hear of it until I moved to Glenrose in 1997. I became very intrigued in the concept and human fossil footprints in rock, and it just blew me away. I couldn't understand why had I never heard of this subject. Why was not it out on the radio and, and in the newspapers and books? I just never heard of such a thing. So I became very intrigued and started my research, and what I found was very astonishing.
1: I have read that a majority of Americans are starting to reject all or parts of Darwin's theory of evolution and actually accept intelligent design, but most teachers are forbidden to teach anything but evolution in the classroom. What would happen if a teacher taught biblical creation?
3: Well, academically they won't allow it to teach scientific creation or biblical creation. Now, according to the Supreme Court in Edwards versus Aguilar 1987 stated that they did not grant teachers any new powers to teach any theory. In other words, they can teach the strengths and weaknesses of any theory that they want to. The Supreme Court said, we're not going to grant you any new powers because you don't need them. You already have the right to teach it. Now, the problem is, is that teachers are intimidated and not teaching the particular subject now it's unfortunate because a lot of our school children are being taught evolution as a fact and it's paid for by your tax dollars now that's a problem i certainly don't want my tax dollars going for a one-sided view of education now they can teach both strengths and weaknesses for instance in texas they just changed the mandate from the requirement of teaching strengths and weaknesses to teaching the sufficiencies and insufficiencies of evolution, three major areas, which includes the ape to man, macroevolution, the complexity of the cell, and I believe it's DNA. Yes, life, life origins was also included there. Which is a major, a major victory for teaching. So you can teach the secular version of creation uh, without the biblical intentions of pushing religion. You can do it academically, but you can do it with a secular intent. And that is the key of teaching this in the public school. And
2: one fortunate thing is the book that we're discussing by Aaron Judkins approaches this subject academically. And actually this information can be used in the public classroom because it is specific background research on the theory of evolution, that is, the introduction of evolution in the Babylonian era and the, the Greek era, and then its history through Darwinism and the current application in actual scientific analysis in fossil human footprints. And as clarification for this audience, the Edwards versus Aguilar, June the 19th, 1987, decision by the Supreme Court of the United States, confirm that the teacher already has the right to teach any concept of life origins as long as it is done with a secular intent in mind. Now, that's the disclosure. Uh, Aaron already mentioned this, a secular intent in mind or in view, which means that there can be no religious inference, there can actually be no listing of intelligent design. The whole thing must be secular or naturalistic. But even under that guise, uh, with uh, teaching uh, the uh, strengths and weaknesses, or the consistencies and inconsistencies, or the adequacies or inadequacies of any theory, actual experimentation that can be demonstrated can be used. And this book offers. A tremendous value in that respect.
1: Yes, the book certainly does. The book we're talking about is Evolution and Human Fossil Footprints. My guests today are the author Aaron Judkins and Dr. Carl Ball. If you'd like to get a copy of Evolution and Human Fossil Footprints, you can order it now by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. Now, Aaron, in the book you compare the footprints of ancient man with the footprints of modern man. In every factor, the toes, the heels, the arches, they are still human footprints. They're not half
3: ape footprints, right? You got it. One of the things that evolutionists try to do is assign the footprints to an ape or a hominid-type creature. Now, when they do that, they also assign it into a geological time frame of millions of years. So it really throws people off. For instance, the most famous sites probably in Tanzania, Africa, where Mary Leakey in the 70s found the Latoli Trail. And the Latoli Trail is in rock formation that's supposedly dated at 3.6 million years old. So there's a problem. They're totally modern, anatomically modern human footprints. Mary Leakey flew out Dr. Louis Robbins from North Carolina. He was and is the foremost expert on the human footprint and anatomy, and she flew him out there to get his assessment. Now, his bottom line assessment was this: that the footprints made at Latoli were anatomically, modernly correct in their anatomy. In other words, they're not a transitional form. He compared to the local people of Tanzania who normally don't wear shoes, and there's no difference. As a matter of fact, they went as far as bringing in a trained bear and walking it around in wet mud to try to simulate these footprints. They just don't want to recognize the evidence for what it's telling them and so this really poses a problem. When they reconstructed the uh, skeletal structure of Lucy, who they claim is Australopithecus afarensis, who made these footprints at Laetoli, they incorrectly lined her big toe parallel. Now the distinguishing factor of human footprints is that we have no opposable toes. Uh, Humans have no opposable toes and we have a calcaneus bone which is four times larger than a gorilla and twice as large as a chimpanzee because that's the heel part, that's the shock absorber for walking. So they incorrectly aligned Lucy's big toe to make it look in the skeletal structure like it was human, but it is not. You write about Darwin's theory and it is a theory not a fact.
1: Why do you say evolution is wrong?
3: Well it is wrong. It's uh, an antiquated theory over the last 160 years that Darwin didn't originally come up with the idea. That came all the way back from ancient Greece and Mesopotamia. Darwin used a lot of his references from Comte de Buffon, which is a French biologist in the 1800s, and he produced 44 volume work that Darwin referenced to. But it goes back further to ancient Greece and Mesopotamia. Now, here's the formula for for making life, or the evolutionary formula for making life. It's add some dirt, plus some water, plus some time, and it equals living systems eventually. Now, the evolutionary formula for making a whole universe is you add nothing plus nothing equals time, and then you add that with an element of matter to get 92 natural elements add more time and then you get a structured universe with orbiting planets uh, galaxies quasars moons etc now that is quite an amazing event
2: sounds like religious speculation to me
3: well there's an element of faith in darwinism so it's nothing new it's not based on empirical science at all It's mainly a philosophical science. And that's the way it should be taught in the schools, but it's taught as fact. And that's the problem. When it goes all the way back to Greece and Mesopotamia, the ancient Greek Malaysian philosophers, Anaximander, Thales, and Empedocles. And as we observe
2: these individuals, they had a concept of spontaneous generation that life would arise naturally out of mud. And in Darwin's time, we had just gone through a period prior to him when spontaneous generation was accepted. But Louis Pasteur dismissed that forever, that spontaneous generation does not occur. You might have flies appear, even bacteria appear, but the bacteria are already in the air and the larvae are already available life does not spontaneously generate. And as you look across the contents of your book, which this audience needs, every school teacher needs it, every Sunday school teacher, uh, every parent needs this, every pastor needs a copy of this book, because it goes back into the complexities of a beginning. You just gave us a thumbnail sketch. It goes into radiometric dating. It goes into the miracle of time, the major dating methods, and uh, the strata, and the fossils. But the audience needs to know that in the public classroom, uh, the theory of evolution is introduced with a simple statement, evolution simply means change. We all change, therefore evolution occurs. And with that innocuous, simple statement, the introduction is made inferring that this soil that you described with the inorganic mineral compounds could change sufficiently to produce tiny original living system and then in time produce other life forms and finally produce man. Well, we must make a distinction between microevolution and macroevolution and in the book you do that. Microevolution Is variation within genetic boundaries of material that's already alive? You talk about in the book the incredible problem of the gap between uh, non living compounds and living compounds, and you have a medical background. And there are new books published on this perennially demonstrating that there is no way, not only has it never been proved in the laboratory, if you combine any or all of these elements, that they will produce one single living cell or a protocell. That has never been demonstrated. How this actually could happen cannot even be imagined, as some leading scholars have admitted. Microevolution is variation within systems that are already alive, and we certainly admit that that change takes place. But that change is simply a reshuffling of the information or a loss of information. It never graduates, no matter whether we use natural selection, whether we use mutational introduction by radiation or any other system, or detrimental carcinogenic materials being added to our diet. These changes never introduce new information. They always reshuffle or destroy information. So, your book goes into many of these details in the background before actually introducing some of these footprints.
3: Well, I wanted to give people a working knowledge of the theory, so by the time they get to the footprint section, they'll understand the dating techniques, the geological column, and how they come to the conclusions uh, that they come to, and so when they give out Uh, Veronia states like 3.6 million years, you'll know the information behind all that.
1: Dr. Ball, Dr. Judkins, let's continue this conversation on our next program.
0: More fascinating scientific evidence will be examined on the next Watchman on the Wall program. Today, we have Aaron Judkins' fascinating book entitled Evolution and Human Fossil Footprints. In Evolution and Human Fossil Footprints, Aaron Judkins challenges the modern-day evolutionary interpretations and examines the fossil record to show that man did, in fact, walk with the dinosaurs. This book debunks the lie of evolution and proves that the creation model explains the fossil record. Order your copy of Evolution and Human Fossil Footprints today when you call 1-800-652-1144 or order online SWRC.com. One of Pastor Larry's many responsibilities here at Watchmen on the Wall is to answer your Bible questions. You can send your questions to ask Pastor Larry at swrc.com. Pastor Larry,
4: did the Catholic Church decide what was placed in the Bible? When we see the words Catholic or Catholic Church, we automatically think Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church, as we know it today, with its doctrines and dogmas about Mary, papal infallibility, seven sacraments, indulgences, and so forth, did not exist until quite late in church history. The Roman Catholic dogma of the Immaculate Conception, meaning that Mary was conceived without original sin became official dogma in 1854, the dogma of the Assumption of Mary. The belief that after Mary died, she was resurrected, glorified, and taken bodily into heaven, that became official dogma in 1950. The idea that the Catholic Church gave us the Bible creates the images of church officials and prelates and councils and synods determining the canon of Scripture. That is not the way we obtained the canon of Scripture. That is the listing of books contained in the Bible. The words the canon of Scripture refer to the books that are included in the Bible and recognized as sacred Scripture. Many books of a religious nature circulated in the ancient world, but not every book was considered sacred scripture. Generally speaking, the canon of the Old Testament was established by the time Jesus and his apostles ministered. On many occasions, Paul, Jesus, and others quoted scripture, saying, Thus saith the Lord, or as it is written. In the temptations, Jesus responded to Satan and said, It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. It is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Get thee hence Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Matthew four four seven and ten. Like every pious Jew of his day, Jesus accepted the Old Testament as the Word of God and appealed to it. Thus, in Mark ten Jesus proved the indissolubility of marriage from Genesis 2:24. In Mark 12:36 Jesus states that the Holy Spirit had inspired David, and more than once Jesus bases arguments on the presupposition on that scripture that it cannot be broken. You find that in Matthew 26:54, Luke 22:37 and John 10:35. Most significantly, Jesus finds his coming, his work, and his death foretold in the Old Testament, as in Luke 4.16 following, Luke 24.24, 24, and John 5.39. So we can safely say that in the time of Jesus, the Old Testament was considered, quote, Scripture. We can have the, the assurance that the books on, in our Bibles belong there, both the inspiration and preservation of the sacred text were under the supervision of the Holy Spirit. That's wonderful.
0: Today's featured resource is Evolution and Human Fossil Footprints by Aaron Judkins. Order your copy of this important book when you call 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online swrc.com. And when you call or go online, make sure you also order Michael Hoggard's DVD entitled Men Walked with Dinosaurs, 1-800-652-1144. Please remember, when you purchase a book or DVD from Watchmen on the Wall, you are supporting this ministry and its outreach around the world. Thank you. More evidence disproving evolution from the fossil record on tomorrow's Watchmen on the Wall program. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchmen on the Wall program. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Visit swrc.com.